Hi there. Welcome back to the Out of the Cave podcast with Lisa Schlossberg. I'm your host, Lisa Schlossberg, a licensed social worker, certified health coach, personal trainer, and yoga instructor. If you, like I have, struggle with your relationship with food, eating, and body image, I am here with this podcast to guide you into healing the relationship you have with yourself through a trauma-informed, holistic, and mind-body-soul approach. Together, we can support you in building a lifestyle of more peace, freedom, safety, and power. Okay. So we are back and we are back with Jenny Campbell. Jenny Campbell is back on the pod. Thank you for being here, Jenny. Um, Today we are here. So if you listen to the first podcast episode that Jenny Campbell and I did together, um, at the end, you will hear us mention that uh, Jenny works with the Enneagram and we've kind of had this idea for a long time to just like chit chat basically just like jam about the Enneagram together and then we thought well this could this could probably be useful and helpful for some people so why don't we record it and see what happens um so that's what we're here to talk about is the Enneagram um and so you know before anything really you know Jenny was here as a group member of the out of the cave coaching program that's kind of you know that's how we as a community we know Jenny Campbell um but Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about kind of like what you do with the Enneagram and then we'll talk about what the Enneagram is, et cetera. So just introduce yourself from that, you know, lens. <laughs> so I have been working with the Enneagram since 2008. So I've been around a while with this and um, I'll say there's kind of a magical mystical origin story here, which is that I was adopted as a baby. I think I mentioned that last time. and when I found my birth mom, I was 36 and I Googled, you know, I found her name. There's a long story to that, but she's an Enneagram teacher and a life coach. And I had never heard of the Enneagram before I met my birth mother. So that is how I got introduced to it. And I just learned it from her and from reading her books. And then I, I was so fascinated. I have a psychology background. So I was just really always liked personality tests and things like that. And we went to a training. Um, so yeah, so I was reading this book of hers. I was like, these people who wrote this book are still alive and like the pub- public can go study with them. I was like, we have to go before they die. I, I have this like, <laughs> like urgency of me. Like we yeah. gotta go. You can sit at these people's feet and learn. And the people I'm talking about are Don Riso and Russ Hudson of the Enneagram Institute. And uh, Don Riso has since passed. So I was onto something, <laughs> but, and I'm so grateful that I got to study with him um, the last year of his life, actually. Wow. So, but those trainings were in person, five day trainings. I went to more than I can count. They had a, um, like a professional training program that was five of those. I did all those. And then I did a bunch more. Um, I just couldn't get enough of it. It was this, like, I, I was psychology major and I always was interested, but this was like, I remember thinking like, why didn't I learn this in my very fancy college? You know, it was, it made sense of human beings in a way that never made sense to me before. Yeah. Um, And I was at that time navigating my adoption reunion. I was having a lot of issues with my adoptive family. We're not thrilled. Um, They were trying so hard to support me, but it was like their worst nightmare come true. And um, that I was getting really close with this 
you know, my birth mom. And so understanding like my parents' types, understanding my type, understanding that interaction, the family, that's, you know, our first training, five days, we spent three hours on each type and learning about it, lecture, and then also having interactive exercises to see how it shows up in you. Um, so the Enneagram, I'm ex- hopefully it's coming through a little bit what it is, but it's helps yeah. to understand. What's the Enneagram? Yeah. What's the well, that's, a, that's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing oh. that. Yeah. And so, okay. Yeah. What is the Enneagram? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, so many people think the Enneagram is a test. Like Myers-Briggs is a test. It is not a test. It, there are tests for the Enneagram. I'm not crazy about any of them. I think they, um, you know, it can be a good starting place. You sort of thinking about yourself, but I think we're entrained with, because of Myers-Briggs is like the test tells me what I am and then I work with it. And that in my experience is not at all helpful with the Enneagram. Um, so the, I'll say the Enneagram describes nine personality types. The word Ennea means nine. Uh, Enneagram, gram means symbol or drawing. So it's there's a symbol that goes with the Enneagram that's a circle and it has nine points and equidistant points around the circle that are all connected by lines. So this is also where the Enneagram is not <laughs> Myers-Briggs is that those lines interconnect the points. Like where your, where your number one through nine is around the circle is where you are in relationship to all the other types. So there's all these interconnections, interrelationships, the types on either side of your dominant type affect your type. It's very multi-layered and rich and complex. And um, so it doesn't actually put you in a box, I'll say. A lot of people don't like personality tests because they don't want to be put in a box. Um, A lot of people love them because they want to be seen. (laughs) Like, tell me who I am. So uh, it's really way more than either of those things. Um, The Enneagram reveals to us our wholeness. So all of these nine personality types are in every human being. And we have like, I sometimes think of it like a recipe. Like you might have a lot of this one and a little bit of this one and a little bit of that one. And it makes your unique you. And and there's a unique soul in you that cannot be put on the Enneagram. Like yeah. there's an essence, a spark of you that has never been here before, will never be here again, that the Enneagram can't measure, right? So there, you get to keep your uniqueness. <laughs> um, one of the things my teacher Russ Hudson would say, and I love this, is your person, your Enneagram personality type is the least interesting thing about you. Yeah. It's it's where you're patterned. It's your conditioning. Yes. Cool. And, and though, and yeah. it's also, it's a clue to your deepest gifts. And this mm-hmm. is related to your soul, not the uniqueness of your soul, but the like, the energetic imprint, like, what is it? you're here to do like your energy at types are energy. That's how I, how I type. I don't really type people, but I feel, I can feel the energy. Um, that's partly my type that allows me to do that. <laughs> I totally like it resonates with me, everything you're saying and like every, the way that you're, you know, mindfully choosing your words, it feels really true to my experience of it. Um, and I, I said this in our last podcast, but when I learned about the Enneagram and like, you know, we'll get to that part, I guess. But I was, I really appreciated the way that it was framed to me that is similar to what you're saying. That is the Enneagram is not who you are. The Enneagram is who you are not. 
And it really speaks to what you're saying is that it's not about, you know, being given this number and then saying, this is who I am, but it has been really helpful for me in understanding these are the ways that I have learned how to survive. Like these are some of the survival skills and techniques. This is the conditioning that I have. These are the patterns that I've kind of created here. And that's how I came to understand and really be supported by the Enneagram is not identifying with it, but really having that just like expanded awareness and consciousness of like, oh, this is how I behave in certain scenarios. This is the way that I project certain things. This is like, this is my humanness playing out. <laughs> and like, okay. you know, something I talk about all the time here and in group, and you've heard this before is like the way I understand the human condition is we're a spiritual being having a physical experience. And because we're a spiritual being having a physical experience, and we also have an animal brain within a social context, there's a lot of like needing to learn how to survive and shape shift in order to feel safe. And so part of my understanding of the Enneagram is like, this is the way that this is the shape that you shift into <laughs> to like be here and feel safe being here. And that was something that, uh, you know, has had really helped me a lot. So would you agree with that kind of understanding of it? Yes. Like, like 90%. What we say is the Enneagram is not who you are. It's how you cope, yeah. which is exactly what you're saying. Right. But there's a reason we pick one of these nine ways of coping. Like yeah. it's our temperament. It, right. It's inborn. Right. right. We come in with it and it's, so it's not like, oh, we so ha have this idea that my parents made me this way <laughs> or my, my childhood upbringing, what happened to me? I had to be strong, right? And then somebody else is like, I had to be invisible. And somebody right. else says, well, I had to do everything right. And right. somebody else says, I had to just be an artist and tell everybody else to fuck off. Same exact scenario. I had to be this way. This could look what happened to me. Of course I'm like this. And it's like, not exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like the harder our situation was, the more we're going to rely on our type, which has our strengths in it, which are our spiritual qualities. Yeah. This is yeah. actually where it starts. So I just like to, the origin with the Enneagram is that it's, it shows us who we really are. When we say that your type is not who you are, you're actually, you're all of it. And it is kind of who you are. It's like, it, yeah. it's, it's who you're taking yourself to be. And there's this real thing. So these essential qualities are beautiful, universal spiritual qualities, like strength and aliveness, wholeness, unity. I'm just going around in my head. We don't have to know, but like goodness, sacredness, love and sweetness, value and glory, true identity, depth and beauty, clarity, illumination, guidance and awakeness, joy and freedom. That's who we are. There's nothing specific in that though. So we do get to have a soul, as I yeah. said before. But so if you, we get, we're born with one of those clusters of essential qualities um, as our, the thing that, I think I said this last time, it's like, it's the thing that we're here to help other people remember. Yeah. Right. And it's going to, and you make it your job and then your ego comes in and says, it never thinks you're doing it hard enough. It's going to get taken away. Somebody doesn't see it and I'm crushed. Right. So that we have wounding around our essential qualities, our spiritual qualities. And then we're, we're trying to mimic them with the personality. So this yeah. is amazing. When you start to see this, it's like, I'm doing a fake version of a real thing. Yes. So if I catch on to what I'm doing here, 
it's like the energy with which you do it, right? It's yeah. like talking about that this morning yeah. as I was your podcast. It's like we could be doing the same thing from this different energy. And that so yeah. the Enneagram types are continuums up and down, healthy, average, unhealthy, right. depending on how present we are, how much of that spiritual quality is allowed to shine through freely and how much we're distorting it, co-opting it, worried about it, mimicking it, not doing the real thing. We're doing the fake thing. Right. So, How's that landing? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, to me, it does. It totally does. And I mean, maybe because I, you know, I'm familiar with the Enneagram and understand it a little bit, but I think that is also the really cool thing about something like the Enneagram for me anyway, is that it's, I hear exactly what you're saying that it's like, it's the energy with which you do it. You can be quote unquote, be, you know, any of these things. Um, But I think there's something like, you know, what comes to me when I hear you say that is like, when I look back at my childhood, for example, and like my own story, and I see that one of the ways that I coped with a lot of life and stress and emotion was just denial and not being present and dissociating. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is that you know, in some ways that was, if we're go, if we're looking at it through like the judgmental lens of like good and bad or like strength and weakness or whatever, there's parts of it that were not so good. Like they kept me kind of disconnected from myself. I wasn't in my body, like all that stuff. And then I also have no, so, so what I used to do was like really demonize that. Like I was in denial. I was dissociating. I was this, I was that as if it were a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started to really see how, well, because that was my way of coping, there were so many strengths that came out of it. Like the way that I, you know, moved through being a morbidly obese child, really not giving a shit at all about what people like thought of me or judged me or whatever. Like there were pros and cons, let's say. But the reason that I guess, you know, my head goes there is because I used to think of things as like good or bad or like right or wrong or like love or fear. Right. But, but there's so much truth and depth to what you're saying. That's like, it's like, you know, we could be doing a real thing in a non-real way. <laughs> like like it's like, right. It's like, there's both of those things happening at the same time. And I think part of the reason that we gravitate towards certain like behaviors or ways of showing up are because there's that, there's that truth to them. But then, like you're saying, they become kind of like distorted along the way or like taken over into other things. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I wonder if you want me to, I could actually go through all nine types and give you an example of the oh. real quality and the false quality. Oh, Sure. We'll see. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Um, And when, so the Enneagram, just for people who don't (laughs) have a visual, it's a circle, nine points, and the nine is at the top. When we talk about it, we always start with type eight. And that confuses people, but we go from eight around to seven. And the reason we do that has to do with the energy. So that's all I'll say about that for now. (laughs) But like, there's a reason for everything. So type eight, I'll tell you, what I'll tell you is the essential quality of spiritual quality and then how the personality distorts it. Cool. So the essential quality for type eight, which we also call the challenger, that's the personality is the challenger. The essential quality is strength, aliveness, and immediacy. 
So that is like, when we're fully present, we're, we're strong, we have agency, we're powerful. Um, we're not stepping on anybody. It's just, I'm here. And it's like now, 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 like in this moment. And there's all this instinctual energy that's here to support us. It's beautiful. And the person, when we're worried about that, when that feels under threat or we feel threatened, then we have to, we like double down. Like I have to be the strong one. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be power over. I'm gonna not show any weakness. I'm gonna, right? So we become the challenger. Like I'm just challenging everything because I feel alive when I do that. But it's not the real aliveness, which is much quieter, right? Mm-hmm. Get the feeling? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So nine is the peacemaker, really different energy. The qualities are wholeness, unity, and being. This is basically like the Zen Buddha, like just, I am just here. I am being, and I'm fully engaged in the moment, and I'm at peace. Right? This is the peacemaker. It's like the world is happening. I'm doing my part. I'm here for it, but I'm not fussed about it, you know, because I'm in the moment. It's all presence-based. This is all, when we're in our, when we're present, these essential qualities are present also, all of them. Um, but if you're attached to this one, it's your coping. You have to be the peacemaker. So the false piece is dissociating, denial. Nothing's getting to me. I'm fine. What's wrong with everybody else? Why is everybody so fussed? But I'm not actually engaged in my life. I'm not, I'm staying in my comfort zone. I want all my creature comforts around me. I'm just like, leave me alone in my comfort zone. So, um, you know, the people pleasing part of that too, the peacemaker, just like, what do I have to say to get you off my back? That's false peace, right? Type one. Uh, the reformer. So these essential qualities are goodness and sacredness. So it's really like being aligned with a higher principle. Like there really are things wrong with the world as it is. And we are each called to do something about it in our little way. Um, And we can, when we listen, when we're present, we can align with that. Like this ethically doesn't feel good or it just doesn't feel good to me. And I'm going to say something in the personality. It's like this, um, constantly seeing what's broken, what's missing, what's wrong. And like, I'm the one who has to fix it. I have to fix everything. I can't stop seeing what's out of whack and trying to fix it, right? The perfectionist is here. Right, I was gonna say, I learned one as perfectionist. So that that makes sense, okay. Yeah, the reformer, it's like, yeah, because lots of types can be perfectionists. There's different flavors. Like lots of types can be people pleasers as well. So that's another thing we could talk about with TMS, you know, it's like, what does it mean to be a TMS personality? Yeah, yeah. complicated but yeah the reformer is just like it's like I'm just trying to get closer to God whatever my idea of God is I'm trying to get closer to whatever like things need to be reformed they're not good enough yeah and that's the false goodness so type two is the helper the um the essential qualities are love and sweetness nurturance we also say sometimes you know and that could be self and other generally um you know in the when the essential quality is there it's it's for everyone. It, it's not a commodity that goes back and forth between people. It's what the world is made of, actually. You know, how the earth works is actually just pure love, right? In the personality, it's I. It's like, am I getting enough love? Am I giving enough love? It's all focused on the transactional nature of the love. And then the helper is, I have to be the one giving. And I'm not so great at being the one receiving. If I feel like I'm receiving, I feel like somehow cut off or I'm not, I'm not the source of this love. I need to be the source. This is kind of where we get confused in all the types. It's like with our little ego as little children and adults, we're trying to be the essence 
Mm-hmm. And then we, that one can't do it. Right. It happens naturally when we're able to be present. And we can't be present if we have all this trauma in here that we haven't dealt with and are terrified of feeling. Well, it's all the same work that you're doing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So moving on. Type three is the achiever. And uh, the essential qualities are value and glory. And so this is really like what it means to be this human being of like, and like in this world, uh, like it's like, a, there's something in my, in my talents and what I love. It's so much about the heart and what I love to do. That is also my gift to bring. And when I step into that, I'm just, I'm this shining example of what it is to be a, a human being in the world, um, being myself this authenticity and the um the personality version the false version is just the outside whatever the outside is my achievements how i look what i accomplish um how people see me what with that reflection back to me as opposed to coming from the inside from my heart you see how they're connected for sure it's like, it's like we're, they're the same thing they're just the ego takes it and ruins yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah well I also what I'm thinking about too is like just an idea that I've shared here before in group at the retreat is like the kind of older psychological belief of the true and false self yeah. and how right it's like there's like the nature and essence of who we are and then there's like the way that that gets kind of contorted to show up a certain way and so this is just examples of that you know in a few different ways so it yeah I mean it makes all I I'm I'm just over here literally <laughs> absorbing every word yeah um, yeah it, this is ancient this, this yeah. understanding is ancient what the Enneagram does is make it really specific right so you're not like which one am I you know right. like we're gonna help we can help you right teachers can help you like you have a default and it's the one that's gonna trip you up over and over and over and it's the one you can't see right it's the one you can't it's the most compulsive yeah and and it's like, that's your gift. Like that essential quality is yours to really bring here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it helps you narrow it down. So just, am I being fake right now? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, cool. Okay. So I'll keep going. So yeah. nine of go all the way around. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Around. Um, type four is the individualist and the essential qualities are what we call true identity. And that's a lot of actually what you talk about the, um, that I'm all these things, you know, I'm a spiritual being in a, a human body with all, all these things. So, and that my true identity is, it's not my ego, right? Is there something deeper here? This is related to the soul and, and what my niche is, what I'm really here to offer in the world. It's very similar to the three. You can see as we go around, the types blend into each other a little bit. Um, other qualities here are depth and beauty. So it's like, I don't want to have a surface conversation, you know, um, but the depth is the, in the essential quality, it's like, yeah, there's always more. It's always deeper. There's always complexity. There's always nuance. It's like, we're not just here to be robots. You know, there's this infinite depth to every person. Um, and the, and the beauty of, you know, when somebody is just being themselves, how they become beautiful. You know, when we're, I've watched this happen. This was really astonishing to me as someone who's obsessed with body image, you know, to go to these trainings and be there with 50 people. And I had all my judgments about them. And then by the end of five days, everyone literally was beautiful to me. Like I couldn't get enough of looking at them, being with them because they're just being real. They put down their, their stuff. It has nothing to do with their body shape, size, 
age, face, you know, nothing, nothing. So that kind of beauty, this true identity, that's the essential quality. In the personality, it becomes, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Is this me? Is this not me? I need to be seen. Nobody sees me how I really am. And then they do, and I'm embarrassed. And so it's a really self-conscious. It's really painful. Like the individualist is just constantly needing to massage my self-image and, and feeling less than, feeling like I can't live up. So that's mine, by the way. <laughs> just to out myself. I'm Jenny. I'm a four. I'm working on it. <laughs> All right, we'll move to five, which is the investigator. And I hadn't mentioned this, but we're as we move through these types, there's three body-based or instinctive types, three heart types, and three head types, which is mm. kind of like their primary coping. I um, know eight, that. nine, and one are in the body, two, three, four in the heart, five, six, seven are in in the head so you'll feel the shift here maybe you might want to go back and listen to it again <laughs> but well this makes sense given what i know about like five and six and like you know like that makes sense when i hear you say it but i didn't know that that's really cool to think about yeah the whole the whole enneagram is about learning to align the centers of body heart mind mm. instinct feeling and thinking it's cool. we the types have just dis have distorted those we're using the wrong functions Right. We're like scrambling the centers is what we call it. Cool. And so unscrambling them and, and bring them into alignment so that we can have a body and instinct and heart and mind. That is what a present human being is. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so that gets you out of the box. If you're tired. Cool. All right. So investigator is their first head type. It sounds like it, right? These are thinker, thinkers. Um, the essential qualities are clarity and illumination which you could think like the aha moment. It's like that when you, like you might be thinking, thinking, trying to figure something out, looking at all the angles, doing all the research, and then you quiet, you know, step away from it, you quiet, you're like, oh, wait, I see it, I see it. And I think of it sometimes as like seeing the forest and the trees at the same time. Like I can see the little thing and the big thing. It's like, and it's like, you know, so we sometimes also call it direct knowing as opposed to received knowledge. Yeah use your mind to take in information that's awesome but then there's this like knowing that comes through in the moment like, it almost feels like it comes from somewhere else yeah probably does <laughs> um so there's that clarity illumination the truth right that's the essential quality in the personality it's like i have to know everything <laughs> or at least i have to know everything about certain things like maybe i'll just stick to my wheelhouse which maybe nobody else knows about it's almost like the more esoteric it is the better the the less you know there's because I, I need to feel smart I need to feel like I know it's like there's this real insecurity of not when I don't know what the truth is so investigating to find out what's under what's under what's under what is how does this all get together and you can get go down rabbit holes and not come out and that and you get really disconnected from the actual world and that is the danger in five like sometimes having a conversation with someone and they're just telling you about the thing they know but it's not embodied so it's not actually landing. It's not even interesting. Um, they're just kind of on their own trip. Yeah. And they and they can feel really, really disconnected from, from other people. Paralysis by analysis. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll see that in the next one. Mm -hmm. more. Okay. Um, they might not feel paralyzed in in the in the average levels in the five. It's just like, I just want to learn more about my things that I'm fascinated with, but I don't really want to take a shower or like mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know 
talk to my kids or, you know? Yeah. So, um, six also is in the head center and the essential qualities are guidance and awakeness. And I feel that that's kind of similar. It's like, um, awakeness is the quality of just actually being here. Like my mind is where I am, not in the past, not in the future. Head types tend to go to the future, thinking, 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 like what could go wrong? Um, and this type especially, did I say what it's called? I didn't say what it's called. It's called a loyalist, mm-hmm. which can confuse people sometimes. Like, what does that mean? Um, we use, we become loyal to things. We can be loyal to things in a healthy way. Like I'm loyal to my children, you know, I'm loyal to people I love. We can also be loyal to things in an unhealthy way, as in cults or <laughs> even being loyal to someone who doesn't treat you right um, or being loyal to a belief system that is doesn't actually, we don't actually believe in it, but we haven't really investigated it because it gives us some feeling of safety. Um, so the loyalist, yeah, in the, um, the essential qualities, it's like this guidance comes in and says, this is the next move. Mm-hmm. That next right thing becomes clear only when we're present and we're here in, in the moment. And we can, we're willing to see everything that's here. So that's the awakeness. When we have the awakeness, then the guidance can be available. And when we don't have that, we're looking everywhere for it. So we're looking outside ourselves. We're asking other people constantly. Um, you know, it's fine to have people we trust that we turn to, but to usually a lot of times what sixes do is they'll crowdsource and try to get a consensus and then move on that, but it's still disconnected from their own knowing. And so it never feels safe. Cool. <laughs> I know there's so much, right? You just like, yeah. Um, so we have one left. Yeah. So seven, the enthusiast, and uh, the essential qualities here are joy and freedom, and that is also a head center quality. It's like the infinite possibilities. They're really in touch with how abundant things are and how um, we're reining ourselves in. We don't really need to be doing that. It's like. And just being here, being alive, breathing air, experiencing whatever we're experiencing is joyful by nature. Like joy is in the fabric of all everything. Um, and, and this, yeah. So that's the essential quality. The, the personality gets obsessed with <laughs> like having an escape plan. Like freedom means never choosing. You know, I don't want to get boxed into anything. Um, also having to be happy all the time. Like I have to be the one to bring the light all the time, whether I feel like it or not, which, and uh, not being able to settle, you know, not being able to ground, just, you know, having to be upbeat all the time yeah. and not being able to process what's going on with me, not being able to sit in uncomfortable feelings, that kind of thing. So we make an identity out of the essence of quality, and then we have to kind of live up to it all the time. And that's where it feels like a box. Right. And the Enneagram is showing us how to get out of the box. Like we're actually all nine of these types. And one of the things I'll just say this here and I'll be done <laughs> um, is I like apprenticing to other types that feel like not me. Like I like having people in my life who are really different from me and be like, and I never did this when I was a kid. I was just think either I'd be jealous or I wouldn't like them. <laughs> Very forish of me. Um, but like, oh, I could be like, like that person moves through the world in such a different way and they seem to be getting away with it. Like maybe I could try a little of that on. Yeah. Um, so it's getting us out of the box and, and into our wholeness. Yeah. Cool. 
There we go. A little trip. Thank, little thank trip. you for sharing all of that. I didn't plan that. <laughs> it's it's really cool to listen to. And um and also I think just such a like resource, you know, it's cool to be able to have this conversation and offer it as as something for people to explore. Um and it's so funny you say, I mean, I don't know, I've been sitting with the word wholeness a lot recently. Um I was thinking maybe maybe that's my word for 2023, just wholeness. Cause I think, I mean, whatever, without getting into the whole thing. It's just like I think we can do that thing where it's like, this is my goal or this is my intention, or like even, you know, feeling the feelings and like being present with myself and embodiment and like recovery and health and like all those things. It's like, yeah, but the real, like the the end goal of all of that is wholeness, like to feel whole and be embodied in wholeness. Yeah. And so I think it's just cool. I don't know. That's been like floating around in my head and heart a lot recently. And that is what the Enneagram is like really all about is not being a part of the whole. It's seeing all of it within yourself and coming from a place of wholeness. So that word really resonates and it's all really cool. Thank you for educating us and enlightening us. I want to add something about, yeah, it is for wholeness. It's also, it's real primary purpose is to wake us up when we're asleep. Meaning when we're in the trance of our, our personality is like a trance that we, it's like, we're in a dream and we don't know we're in a dream. Yeah. And we think we're being the essential quality. We, we don't know that have that language, but we think like, I'm the strong one. I'm being strong right now. Yeah. And we don't know that we're deluded. And so the Enneagram is here to, to, to say like, here's what it looks like when a person, let's say this type eight, the challenger is stuck in their personality. Here's all the ways that, what that looks like. And we give really specific examples. And then yeah. you can say, oh my God, I'm doing it. Right. <laughs> right. You know? I'm doing it. And it's not, that's not the real me. And then we, it's like the invitation to pause, take a breath in that pause and that catching ourselves in the act, we call it it makes room for the essential quality to arise. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like everything. It's like everything that we like talk about all the work that we're doing here. It's all literally the same. That is, it's about waking up. <laughs> it's it's all, it's the raising because consciousness. That, it's coming out of the cave, exactly, right? It's like exactly. the cave is the personality totally. and the ego, right? And then coming out of the cave is that moment we were like, wait, I thought, right. I thought that the shadows on the wall were like a real thing. It turns out, wait, 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 let me come back to the knowing and the awareness. And that's how we kind of pull ourselves out of being in it. And that's, that's the journey that's, and then sometimes we remember and sometimes we forget and then we remember again and then we forget again. And it's just, I mean, really that's, that's why I think I appreciate the Enneagram a lot because it's, it's, it's coming from that place of, you're going to fall back into it. That's, that's the human experience. You're good. You're going to identify with your personality. And that's why it's a tool to say, these are the things for me to have on my radar about the way that I show up so that when I'm doing these things, I can say, Oh, there it is again. Right. The same way that we've talked about, uh, like our resistance or our inner child or whatever, like, hello, yeah. <laughs> there you are yeah, again. Totally. Right? Oh, like, it's so like that, you know, yeah. and I also have people in my life who know the Enneagram. It's so helpful. Like yeah. my son, my son is an Enneagram teacher. I don't know if I told you that he's, uh, he's 28 and he's been training in the Enneagram 
well, he learned about it when he was 13, when I came home with it, but he's basically my Enneagram teacher. Like I just talked to him this morning. I'm like, I'm having all this anxiety about this. What do you think it is? <laughs> he's like, you know, so sometimes he'll, and sometimes I don't know. He's just like, it sounds kind of like your four stuff. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Yeah. Or in what way, you know, he can help me. So yeah. having, having people who understand the system with so much compassion, they can say, Oh yeah. Sounds like you're in this thing right now. And you're like, Oh my God. I, I, even though I've been studying this forever, I, I forget. I yeah. Forget. Yeah. And that's, what's funny too, is like, as you were making your way through the numbers, there were certain ones that like, I start kind of like smiling or giggling, thinking about the people that I know who are yeah. like, you know, nine, sevens, ones, like just the things that come up, but like in our conversations, eights of like, you know, how, how we're showing up. And it's, it is, it's, I mean, it's funny uh, to be able to relate to people in that way and have those conversations. Um, so absolutely. So I have like, probably a million questions, which is something I say all the time. But the first thing is like, you know, I always try to think about if I were listening to this, what would I want to know? And something that I'm interested in getting your answer to is something you mentioned to me before that is really, I think I've heard this many times about the Enneagram. So not just from you. And I think it's really interesting that it's so common that people say, you know, the Enneagram is quote unquote, a personality test. We already covered how it's like, not actually that, but then what is so common is that people say, but don't take the test, <laughs> right? It's a test, but don't take it. And, and so can you explain, you know, because I would imagine that there are people listening to this who are like, wow, this sounds so interesting. I wonder what I am. The, the next natural step would be taking the Enneagram test. And you're saying, don't do it that way or <laughs> suggesting maybe that's, you know, there are other ways to do it. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'm actually glad to hear that. It's not just me saying, don't take the test. No, I've definitely I've heard, heard that before. Hardly anyone. I feel like most people, even a lot of Enneagram teachers that I know, and this is like where I might be ostracizing myself is like, you start with the test. And even in my training, like Riso Hudson developed the ready test, which is a forced answer, you know, 120 questions or something, you know, that's the one I took. Of, yeah. A lot of research went into it. It's, you know, they did that because they're trying to legitimize the Enneagram and, and make it a real thing. And it's like, they say 80% accurate. I don't know. I mean, maybe the, the problem with the test is that it only measures what you already see about right. yourself. Right. And the Enneagram is like waking you up to the trance that you're in. Like, we don't really know who we are. We, you know, it tries to get around that. And I think for some people it's accurate, but it's hard to know, is it accurate for me or not? And I think people get stuck in the test said I'm this, but then I went and read about the Enneagram and I feel more like this. So what I recommend to people is actually reading about it um, or, you know, listening to, I mean, it's hard. Like I recommend taking a course, you know, taking a class, taking, that's what I really recommend or working one-on-one -on -one with somebody if you really want to know. Like you. Yeah, like me, yeah. <laughs> you know, going, doing, I can usually help people figure out their type in one or two sessions, unless there some people are really tricky because there's a lot of like shadow blockages and they just aren't ready to see it. And so they just, that's okay. Yeah. You can still work with it, even if you're not sure about your type. I do have a little mini test on my website. That's like a one page. And I like this one because it kind of gets to, I think it gets around some of that. I don't know who I am stuff but it's even so it's a good starting point to be thinking about what the enneagram is measuring 
Mm-hmm. But that is usually what I recommend. My favorite resource, even though it's kind of dated now, is the Wisdom of the Enneagram book by Don Riso and Russ Hudson. You can also go to their website. There's a lot of type descriptions there, but I learned through a book and talking to my birth mom. <laughs> you know, that's how I learned what my type was. Yeah. Was reading about it because you like in those chapters, it goes into detail about what it's like to be that type and you have to feel it. Is that, do I do this? Is that me? You know, and we have all the types, like some are going to be, yeah. I, like I usually we can see ourselves in several and then to narrow it down can really help to have a session with a, a professional who knows yeah. the nuances because they look similar. It's right. like that we're doing the same thing for different reasons. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for answering that. Okay. So (laughs) on one hand, it's like, I could keep like asking you questions. (laughs) And on the other hand, what I, what I want to share is that here's what I, you know, I don't know your answer to this. So I'm going to kind of lay it out there and like maybe pick your brain a little bit. And I guess also get into like my story a little bit. So Mm -hmm. when I first learned about the Enneagram, it was through a coaching program that I did. And it was being offered as a tool, basically saying that if you know and understand the Enneagram number of the client that sits in front of you, then you can really help tailor your coaching program or container to that person. And it and it was really intended to say you can, you know, because coaching is personal and needs to be individualized experiences right so and and that's how i learned about it too where it was like like a 3 and an 8 can look really similar or present really similarly but the cool thing about the enneagram or one of the cool things about the enneagram is that it offers like the the core like wound and like the deepest desire and like again you can behave uh similarly on you know the, in the human level but at the deep you know root of it they're actually driven by different things and they're afraid of different things and if you're working with someone and you want to you know motivate them to move forward it can be really helpful to know their enneagram type so that you can again show up as a coach in that capacity and really tailor your work together toward that and so that's the way that i was learning about it and I was fascinated, but in the program that I did, you know, just like anything else, it was like, well, before you explore using this tool with your clients, the first thing is use this tool on yourself and get to know it yourself and move yourself through the process. So our, you know, homework was to take the Enneagram test and it could be the, you know, what is it? The ready, ready one. So that's, I think like $12 on the Enneagram Institute. That's the one that I did, or there was like a free, like less intense version of it. But obviously I was like, I want like the real deal. So I did the thing. And so I, uh, I, the test says that I am a three or it said that I am a three type three, the achiever. And so here's why I think it's so interesting to hear you say, don't take the test because in my my experience and i will you know only speak for myself when i first got these results so i'm just going to read i pulled up my results before you got here right and i'm reading about a 3 so a 3 is known as the achiever and let's see what it says we can okay so really really quick as soon as you pull up the 3 right the success oriented pragmatic type 
adaptable, excelling, driven, and image conscious. Okay. So my experience with it was, you know, my, my like ego is getting off on how I'm like excelling and driven and like, love that. That feels really true to me. And then there's this whole thing about being image conscious and overly concerned with their image and what others think of them. So the first time I'm reading through this, I'm like, no, uh-uh, I don't care. And like, I felt all my old denial, defense, like this whole wall go up that is like, that's not me. This doesn't, re- this doesn't resonate. And I, w- and I was having like, I don't want to say like a full-blown identity crisis. Mm-hmm. I would have had a full-blown identity crisis had I even let it in, but I didn't. I was like, this is some bullshit test, whatever. Like all, And I could feel myself like pushing against it, being like, I don't care how I look or what people think of me or da 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 Okay. Then it was sitting in the back of my head for like a long time. And it would just poke at me every once in a while. When I would like find myself like, I don't know, being image conscious or like, I don't know, caring what other people thought. And I would just have this like, remember your Enneagram? And I was like, no. And and for like probably almost a full year, I was like in that relationship with it. And then as, as you know, and I've seen this be my relationship with like everything from like John Gabriel to Nicole Sachs to like everything that's ever like taught me something important about myself. It starts with like absolute total rejection. <laughs> like, no. And so I went through this like, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, the purpose of having this knowledge is not to use it to judge and criticize and shame myself. Like, let's just it's like open up, you know, let's just like open up to it and see. And then I start really reading through it. And like, literally, this is probably a full year later. And that was the moment that I had that I was like, oh, wow. This really resonates a lot. Like this resonates like, like an uncomfortable amount. Like I don't like these are things about myself that I don't even want to be true. And these are things about myself that I would not like want to admit or acknowledge are true. These are the parts of myself that I have a hard time accepting, right? Image conscious, like the, right. These are things that I'm like, ah, (laughs) this was like so confronting. And so, you know, that was the beginning of my experience with it. And I'm like, you know, happy to share more about it, but, but that's why it like fascinates me when people say, don't take the test because I feel like. I would have never, I would have never read through the nine types of the Enneagram and been like a three resonates because even when it came out, I was like, fuck, no, that's not me. I don't no, 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 no. And it took a long time to be like, listen, if there's no judgment and there's no shame, do you feel like you resonate with a three? And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, man. And then I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about myself from that being the starting point was like, I needed, I felt as though I needed it to say, quote unquote, this is what you are so that I could really digest that. And then, and then come into a place of like acceptance and open-mindedness around it 
because I think my denial of those parts of me were too strong that I would not have, I would not have like picked that out of a book. Does that all make sense? Yeah. I have a, I have a theory. I'm so, I know, like, I'm so <laughs> curious. Cause, and then also right before we hit record, Jenny Campbell told me that she's not, she's not sold on the fact <laughs> that I'm a three. So <laughs> this is to me, this is like where it gets juicy. So tell me, tell me about your theory. Okay. Okay. So I need to do a couple of like disclaimers. Okay. So I don't type people. I don't tell people what their type is because that robs them of the experience of discovering their type. And also I might be wrong. <laughs> so I've been wrong, I'm right more than I'm wrong, but I've been wrong a lot. I've been wrong enough that I'm humble. And I've, I've been convinced that somebody was a certain type and getting to know them over time, I've been wrong. So everything I say here is a theory. And I love, actually love being wrong because then the truth, like when I realize I'm wrong, it's because the truth has arisen. This is actually a beautiful thing about type five and their love of the truth. Like they don't, it's like, they love being wrong. Actually. They're not attached to being right. They're attached to the truth. So that being said, my theory is, well, so one question I have, yeah. did you do that deep dive with any of the other types? Deep dive, meaning like reading through them. And like, is this really me? Like taking, like feeling my resistance and then taking it in mm. and feeling it. Like, did you do any of that with any of the other types? Yeah. So I would say I didn't go as deep into any of them as I have the three, because all of that came once I was <laughs> diagnosed. And then I, you know, and then I did the real, real deep dive and read, you know, through the whole thing. But I did when we were learning about it for this coaching program, that was kind of part of it was like before you take the test we were introduced there was like a lecture on like every single number the core desires fears like all of that stuff and so before we were invited to take the test it was like these you know these are the types feel into them see you know how they how they land for you and you know i i did but also I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel, I I mean, I think I remember feeling like, yeah, I feel like I'm all of them, you know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know that I felt uh, really like identified with one. I, you know, like, but then there were, there were parts that, you know, like I, this a word that I've used for myself many times in my life is perfectionist, right? So hearing type one perfectionist, it was like, oh, maybe that's me. And then it was like, you know, the caregiver, right? Is the, the number two. And it's like, well, you know, I'm also that person. So like there were parts, there were some that I didn't resonate with as much. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know that I did like the deep, deep, deep dive on all of them, but I definitely kind of let them all land a little bit, which I think also is what is interesting about it is like when I was in that place, it was so like, I'm not driven by like, you know, achievements and trophies and accomplishments, like just, and, and, and now I can feel the way that that was so rejecting of that part of me that it was yeah. so like, I'm not a three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what would have happened and what did, I would say to a degree. So okay. what's your theory? Okay. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> There's something I really love about this. I, the Enneagram, um, I often do what I call, it's called shadow work. You know, the Enneagram is so much about shadow, meaning the parts of ourselves that we are in denial about because they don't fit in with our self-image. So your dominant type is 
your self-image. It's like, it's the part of you that you are okay with actually showing to the world. It's not hidden. So um, it's like, we're actually kind of proud of it, you know? And we think other people should be a bit more like us. What my theory is that the test told you you were three and you looked at it and you're like, oh, hell no. But then because you're who you are, you went into, you just did shadow work with it and you found it. And I would say, if you did that with all nine chapters, you could do the same thing. And it would be really powerful. And that's in fact, how I teach the Enneagram is I invite people to go deep into all the types and find them in themselves because that's what's gonna give them compassion for all of the fellow human beings is to find it in themselves. So my theory actually is that type three is a huge shadow for you. Not necessarily, but it could be. Yeah. Not necessarily your dominant type. And that actually there might be one that you're like, oh yeah, I do this all day long. And I, it's like, but this, it was, I feel like whether you're a three or not a three, the work you've done, you know the value of it. And finding out that you're a different type doesn't take any speck of that away. You know, I worked with somebody, my very first client, hi, Lisa. She's a Lisa too. She's listening. <laughs> no last names here. But um, we used to meet in my basement, <laughs> like right after I came off the Enneagram training, we would sit under a blanket in my basement and talk about the Enneagram. She thought she was a six for like five years of working with me because when I met her, she was going through a really hard time and a lot of anxiety was coming up. Like five years later, we were in a group together and there were nines and sixes in the group. And she's listening to the sixes and listening to the nine, like ping pong. Like, she's like, I don't, I don't do, I don't, that's not me. I really resonate with these people over here. Because she was settled back into her true, her true type again. Like she, so we do that. We act out other types for a while sometimes under stress. But that time of learning about her sixness was maybe she couldn't have done that. You know, if she, like for nines, getting in touch with their sickness, sixness, is a huge piece of their work. Right. And they don't usually want to go there, but she was already there. So yeah. you know what I mean? So I feel like you really needed to do this. And I think in the work that you do with people, a lot of people who come to you are in that self-image quadrant. The two, three, four yeah. are the people who cannot have a really hard time separating their image from their identity. Yeah. And actually that's not how you coped as a child. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just like, I know what I know of you is what I've witnessed and listened to your podcast. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like that's where I'm coming from. So I could be getting it wrong. No, I, I hear, I hear you. I'm digesting everything you're saying. That's yeah, why okay. I'm not saying anything. I'm just, the wheels are turning. Okay. okay, cool. So thank you for sharing that. It brings up another. Okay. So it's like, it's funny. Cause this is one of those times where it's like, there's like my personal brain and there's like my professional brain. And yeah. one thing that I don't want to forget to ask you, because this is like a question that I have of the Enneagram in general is um, I feel like this may be a thing that people like go back and forth on or debate about. So I just want to ask you because you're my Enneagram Google while we're here. Sure. Any Google, if you will. I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the deal with like the belief around your Enneagram number changes? Like does your Enneagram change? Do you or you just like, do you just speak to that? I'm happy to speak to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't believe that it does. I have no proof, <laughs> but I'll tell you my philosophy or like my understanding of it through experience and through my own direct knowing you know, that we talked about, like, is that we come in with it. I feel like it's like karma or our soul, like our soul needs to have, it came here to do something and it needs our Enneagram type to do the thing it came here to do. Mm -hmm. 
That's what I think. And so yeah. it doesn't change. Okay. But also in my experience of just witnessing people, it doesn't change, but we do move around the Enneagram like under stress. That's what those lines are about. Right, right, right. Uh, but mostly I think it's people don't know themselves, you know? And it, and so, so we used to, a long time ago when I was learning the Enneagram, people would say, how are you in your twenties? But I don't think that's that helpful. It's like, how were you when you were six, when you were two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were 10. Yeah. It's like, because I have three kids there and I had their types wrong for years, but now that I understand their types and they've, they've typed themselves, they were like that from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they coped with the life they were given with their type and their type got more and more solidified. And you know, somebody like you, who's a seeker, who is a deep diver, it's like, who's like, goes like, <laughs> I want to say hell bent for leather into the shadow. It's going to be hard for you to know yeah. because you're willing to be all of them. Right. But to yeah. look back, like I'm, I'm listening to your podcast, like listening to the one this morning, uh, which was about your extreme weight loss and how that was trauma, trauma. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, when you talk about your childhood and how you coped, you know, the dissociating, that's a nine thing. I don't mm-hmm. think you're a nine. Your energy is full on, <laughs> you know, nine energy is chill. Uh, this is I, how I type, how I type people, how I figure out what people's types are. Yeah. I experience their energy and I actually experience their essence. Yeah. I'm not looking at traits. Right, right, right. I can feel it. Right. And then I ask them questions to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like when I think about your essential qualities that you're bringing and the words, the language you use and the energy that you use, it is all about empowerment. Mm-hmm. I actually okay. see you. Do you want to know? Drum roll. I was going to say, I, yeah, now I need to know. What do you think it is? <laughs> and I, you know, how many times do I have to say I could be wrong? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. A dozen more times. But I, I, and I'm not, sh- I don't feel really clear either because like uh-huh. you've done so much work, but I see what makes most sense to me is in the eight area. I knew you were going to fucking say that. But yeah, a lot of seven. Like the total, also I mentioned there's this wing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The types on either side of your dominant type can influence it a lot. And sometimes people, you can't, I can't tell. It's hard to tell. Is it the dominant one or the wing? Yeah. You know, but this enthusiasm and, you know, and the challenger, you know, it's like, it's just energy, but it's similar to three energy. Mm -hmm. Three, seven and eight. Yeah. Are in the assertive triad. Right. So they look really similar. Yeah. But the being the eight gives, yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, I know what I wanted to say about it. Yeah. The path of growth for eight is bringing in the helper, the two. Yeah. It's like learning to open your heart and learning to be vulnerable. Yep. And learning that strength and vulnerability go together. Yeah. And, and that just feels like what you do. (laughs) And then eight also has a line to five, which is the investigator, uh-huh. which is the wonk, you know, the geek, the like yep. I yeah, yeah. All facts about all the things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those, all that's accessible to you. So that's why the Enneagram is not just, which one are you? You're in this little box, but that's where I see it. I can see all the connections of like right. eight going to two, going to five, the wing of nine, the wing of seven. Yeah. And then the three feels like just the way everybody has that and doesn't want to look at it. You know, I think mm-hmm. threes that I've known who've done the Enneagram don't usually struggle so much with, I'm not that. Yeah. It's more like, oh yeah, thank God somebody sees me and it's really painful. 
Yeah. Cool. So okay. what it's worth. You get yeah, to it's that. worth a lot. Okay, I appreciate good. it. Okay. So, I mean, I have, don't like, want to be an eight. <laughs> I have, no, I, I just, I'm, I'm still, I think processing a lot of just a, a lot of it because I, I mean, like, I, you know, like I just said before, like, I know that threes and eights are present similarly. So when I, you know, found out I was a three, there was also this like, oh, is this, is this also like kind of an eight thing that's happening here? So that's not like, out of left field for me you know it's not like uh you know so so that like makes sense but I think what's interesting about my understanding of uh being a three is that I would say uh when I was about you know months after I took the test when I talked about kind of really letting it in that's when I had the experience of like, wow, I feel really seen by this. Okay. In a way that I, I couldn't let happen off the bat. It was like, I couldn't see that part of myself. So letting this test see that in me was like, no. And then having it literally sit in my brain for all that time then I arrived at this like, uh, yeah. And then I remember feeling so seen, so uncomfortably seen, like, oh my, like someone's like reading like my guts back to me. Like what? Like an example? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's funny because like to hear you say, that, you know, it wasn't the way that I like coped as a kid. Right. And that's why, like, that was the first big, like pause was like, let me think about that for a sec, because in a lot of ways you're right in that, um, I didn't cope. Like I said earlier, like the denial kind of mechanism for me meant that I wasn't super image conscious in terms of like, my body, right? My weight, my shape, my size, like all that stuff. It was like, I don't identify with this at all. However, and this is really what I feel like the Enneagram helped me learn about myself was that I knew that's not really, that didn't, that part didn't really resonate. But then I thought about, well, how did I cope as a child? And how I coped as a child was always needing to look like I was fine, mm-hmm. always needing to be good at stuff, mm-hmm. straight A's, mm-hmm. performing and achieving. Mm-hmm. Like the way that I coped was not being image conscious mm-hmm. physically it, with my body and my size. The way that I coped was being image conscious as a persona yeah. and like always having my shit together, always being funny and cool and popular and awesome and loud and outgoing and invited to every party and the captain of my softball team and the leader of this and the doer of that. And the and so it was this like, it doesn't matter to me that I'm 300 pounds because I'm in denial of that. But as a, as a person, I was so deeply image conscious 
and not just again not like what I looked like Mm -hmm. as my physical appearance because I felt like that was I didn't have control over that it was like that was something that I just spent no time at all thinking about or dealing with but that is something that being again labeled a three helped me learn about myself that was like well how did I cope how did I show up and it was being the achiever being all those things and and I think something that you know has come up as a theme in like my therapy over the last like million years I've been in therapy is like the distinction between the person and the persona because that that feels like the way that the three has shown up for me is that I was so identified with this persona um but it wasn't true but so okay yeah but yeah. the person so everybody has this though yeah yeah all nine types have a persona yeah. that they're attached to like there there's there's ways that um each of the enneagram types is showing us something universal about what it means to be human and 369 and not to get too wonky here but 369 in particular show us something they show us because uh what it means to either like for three what it means to really be in our hearts or to be disconnected from our hearts and so what a three does is creates a persona based on what i'm getting back like So what, and this might be true for you. It's like in my family, it was really important to be funny or in my family, it was really important to get straight A's or in my family, I don't know if that was the case for you, but every type will do, they'll, are going to come up with a persona that is type-based. So like, even like a nine who's the peacemaker and they're like, nobody special, (laughs) nobody special is the persona. And they're just as attached to it as an achiever, right? So I'm hearing, I'm hearing everything you're saying and you're feeling like the, you're what you, and I heard you speaking on this about the, on the podcast also is like the emptiness of being seen as something that's just something I, that's not even the real me. It's not my vulnerability. It's not my moment to moment experience. It's just like this thing that I put together that is getting something back from the world. That's helps me feel safe, helps me feel seen, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing that I remember feeling resonated a lot. Well, because I think a lot of my denial that came up when I was reading through it was also the part of me that like really likes to believe the story that I am perfect and like I have no, I have no flaws at all. (laughs) Like none of this is not going to resonate with me at all because I am I am perfect. And, and so there was like, but the other thing, again, it's like, once I could get that to like quiet down and be like, (laughs) all right. uh, The other thing that resonated a lot about it was um, I'm just reading where's, oh, the, okay. So the basic fear and the basic desire, the basic fear of being worthless Mm. and the basic desire to feel valuable and worthwhile. Mm. And I think there's there's a there's a few of those that resonate like from d- other numbers. I think like you said like an 8 is like the fear is like being powerless and then the desire is to like be empowered and powerful. Strong and in control. Basically, right. 
Um, so I remember kind of like ping ponging between the two of those being like that they're similar and I see how they show up similarly. But mm-hmm. I think uh, once I could admit to myself that I have a fear, um, it resonated a lot to look at the way that I've kind of built my life and persona and ways of coping to fundamentally avoid feeling worthless. And I do a lot of what I do and have done a lot of what I've done uh, from this place of if I, you know, that story of like, if I can achieve another thing and like accomplish another thing, it's the sense of feeling worth something, having value. And, and then, you know, because then I've done the questioning around like, well, what if I don't get another credential? What if I don't seek another thing? What if I, right. And like most of the time, and this might be, you know, this is, there's a really good chance. This is true for a lot of people who are not threes, but I have seen, you know, again, having it kind of in the back of my head, I've seen the like seeking value slash fear of worthlessness come up a lot and that was just another thing that I was like I this feels more resonant than power and control the way it might look for an eight mm-hmm. um so I don't know I I don't know I'm just that's, that's the other thing that comes to me is like yeah does that make sense it does yeah it does yeah it, and it's uh, it, this finding your type is an inside job you know and I can help you like look at the like the nuances between the types and where they look similar and where we get confused and yeah. and then ultimately try it on and you know you might change your mind after a while but one one thing I wanted to bring to you is like yeah see I see the essence qualities in people so like when I look like value and glory let's like um I'll just say when people, when I've worked, I've worked with beautiful threes as well. And what they're saying is always about helping other people shine their light, you know, not exactly what you do, just say it, (laughs) but like, you're about finding your path, like, and with this, um, it's empowerment and there's in the, in the joy and freedom too, of like, of out of the capeness, you know, which of course, if you're a, a three and you're trapped in your persona and you get out of that, that's joy and freedom. So I can feel that. I can feel that too. But I just, I feel, and I, and I don't feel like, you know, like I said, I don't feel convinced of any, anything. I see you in all over the place. And that is probably just because you've done a lot of work on yourself and it makes it kind of hard to tell, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, trauma can do different things to people too. And, you know, when it happens when we're little, I mean, generally we cope with trauma with our type, but sometimes we cope with an adjacent type or type. So, and like, sometimes people, I've met people who present as a different type than their real type, because that was more acceptable in their families. Yeah. Yeah. That's all really cool and interesting because I, there's part of me also that's curious about like kind of exactly what you just said. That's like, I could see how um, like early trauma meant uh, almost like using this threeness 
rather than it being quote unquote my own. But like, because that's, that's the thing is like, and this is something that, I mean, I shared recently on one of the podcast episodes, but like something that I've figured out is like when my, when my sister died and I was five and when I, you know, go back there and like examine and explore that and how that affected me and the meaning that I made of that, a lot of that story became, I don't matter. I have no value. I am worthless because of the way that that was all dealt with and coped with was like, I just felt completely alone and like lost in the crowd. And, and it felt to me that what all of that meant, not consciously, this wasn't like critical thinking skills at the time. It was like all just, you know, stuff that I've unpacked all these years later is like what I felt that meant about me was that I had no value and not that I, you know, wasn't deserving of love that they didn't feel that way, but it always felt like I just was invisible. I just, I didn't exist. And in that feeling of not existing, it felt like I have no value and synonymously I am worthless. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's where I can see. And that's why when I was reading through all of it, it was like, yes, that's, that is, that feels true for me. And that, you know, I, I know that part of my story. And at the time I didn't, but, but then I started really putting it all together, which is why you said it's like, you know, whether it's like right or wrong, it's all been super helpful, but I think it makes, and, and I think this is funny because this is something I've also like thought, but I never had any Google in front of me to, to have this conversation um, is, is that is like, I could see where my, I like the way you say energetic imprint could be like that of a different number. But then that thing happened so early on mm -hmm. that the meaning that I made of that became the fear and desire of the three, which has just been playing out. Um, so does all that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're theorizing a bit, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Enneagram yeah. is like, it's like a jumping off point. Right. And there's so many different ways of looking at things and, and thinking about it and yeah, I'm really interested. I, I mean, I'm listening to you. I'm thinking about like my childhood and um, I had a lot of, I'm a four, the individualist, but I had a lot of perfectionist stuff going on. A lot of like really, and that's, there's a line from one to four, you know, there's this little like fastidious little rule follower inside this other one. So sometimes they're like Russian dolls. I think of them like mm -hmm. that, nesting dolls. It's like, it's inside. There's another one inside the other one. Yeah. But I just, um, there was something else I would just would throw this out to you because I was listening to your podcast this morning about, and you were talking about like you coped one way, like before your weight loss, you coped by uh, dissociating from your body and being the fun one, which to me sounds like seven, eight. <laughs> and then you had this dramatic extreme weight loss and suddenly everybody's validating you for how you look. And at first that was uncomfortable. And then it's, then you got kind of addicted to it. Whereas I think a three from birth would have been like that the whole time. Just throwing that out there. But it was like, wait, what is that? Like, I didn't used to care about this, but and you said, because you had no control over it, but then yeah. you did get control over it. Yeah. But it wasn't like your reasons for going on the weight loss weren't about image. Right. They were about 
they were about limitations on your joy and freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is really different. Like when I think of even me, I'm adjacent to type three. It's like, I was just, I'm just, everybody's looking at me and I'm not okay. Yeah. Whereas eights tend to have eight and seven, both have this kind of like, here I am deal with it. Yeah. Whereas three has, who do you want me to be? I'm immediately that. Right. Well, so that is so cool and interesting because I feel like there's both of them so simultaneously where Mm -hmm. like, again, like I did cope by being like fun and loud and all that stuff, which could be like the eight and seven, seven, eight. But I also was those things because that's what people wanted me to be. So I was those things. Well, right. But that's not the three in you. That is just what everybody does. Like everybody has a self-image that is based on what's natural to them in their type. And then they have to be that, but it's fake, you know? Right, right. That's like the universal quality. I'll just say what a three, three is hard to see sometimes because it's like, um, it's not specific in a way. Mm -hmm. They're going to be what is the, it's like a chameleon. They, They have a way of being like smooth or like, Right. Like they can go anywhere and immediately pick up the customs and the language and the tone of voice and the dress. And they're going to do that. I don't right. see that in you so much. Okay. So of- that's really, that, that's kind of what I'm trying to get to. I think is the way that I coped. Like when I think about like, you know, who I was in like middle school and high school, you could put the title chameleon on it. Okay. Because that's how I was like, I'm twice the size as everyone, but what I can do is make everyone laugh. I can be everyone's friend. I can be invited to all the different groups. I was friends with every crowd. I knew I, and that, and I, and and I also see how this could be the eight doing the eight thing of like power and control because it was, I'm going to find a way to like feel safe but but that's what's so interesting to me is like when I think about being image conscious it was like that's the way it showed up or that's the way that I perceived it to show up was that I needed to be like accepted Mm -hmm. by all the different you know groups and stuff yeah but so it, it is it's like really cool and interesting to to think about and I love what you said earlier about just like almost like putting the hat on of like every number and just I being like love for yeah. you to do that like I yeah. would just like I know you're attached because you had this breakthrough and you're like yeah yeah I you, this is how you see it and I'm like me, like messing with you a little bit but like to do that same deep dive with the seven and the yeah. eight you know what's so funny okay I have to just say this and I apologize for anyone who's listening to this who's a seven but part of the reason this is like hilarious to me is because I like actually have a joke with one of my friends um, about how I have met, I mean, whatever, I've met sevens in my life. And uh, like the running joke is like, sevens piss me off. (laughs) Sevens piss me off. I get like annoyed and irritated by sevens. I also love sevens 
like there are there's some sevens who like you know I have like really great relationship with and then there's some sevens that I'm just like I I need you to quiet down and go away and and so it's funny like I look forward to telling my friend that you're like do this with a seven and see what happens because I there's like no number that I'm more resistant to which is again like juicy (laughs) wonder what's in there Um, so yeah so I love that idea of you know because like, like you said it's like I I see also like my own attachment and that's what I said right even before we like hit record right and you were like can I can I like poke at this a little bit and and I was like I feel myself being like I'm a three right but I also love that idea of just like really exploring all of it because at the end of the day like we said it's like we are all of them. We have all of them. So it's so useful. And I can imagine how supportive and fruitful it would be to just kind of like peek under the hood of every single number, because it's not about like the one, it's just using it as a tool. And I think there's so much clearly (laughs) that is yet to be like discovered here for me. Well, I want to make a little plug here if I can. Please, please. So uh, I developed a program that I'm not running right now, but I trained my son to run it. And now he's running it, which is called living the wisdom. And we go through the wisdom of the Enneagram book in 14 weeks, I think. And or maybe 17 weeks. I can't remember one chapter a week, but you spend a, actually two weeks you get on each type. And so you're reading the chapter and you're looking at all the people in your life who that applies to. And you're also looking at yourself. How is that me? How this is a question we ask over and over. How is that me? So it's a way of like, I think it's over, over five months and you can do it for 10 months of like deep dive into each one, trying each one on. And we have all of it. And 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 like you're pointing out, we have biases that yeah. make our lives miserable. <laughs> because like I can't be in this group because there's a, this kind of person in there and I can't deal with that person because of my past trauma. You know what I mean? It's always because I had a bully like that, or I, my father was that, or my whatever. We can't, it's hard to be around the energy. We don't even know, don't even put it together that it's actually yeah. the energy that's yeah. triggering. Yeah. Yeah. So like coming to understand that we can, I can be in a room with anybody now. And sometimes they still trigger me, but at least I know why. Right, right. It's not personal, I can take it off them, that right. projection and say, oh yeah, you're just reminding me it's that whatever energy, like you've got this seven thing. I'm, I'm sure you came by that honestly. Yeah. There's some sevens that hurt you or drove crazy or whatever. And so you don't want to be that. And you probably have that about the three, two, which is why you're like, oh, hell no. Right, right. My actual theory. Yes. (laughs) About the three, your resistance to the three, like the way that you didn't see yourself as a three was very eight-ish. Yeah. I see that. (laughs) I see that. It's like, oh, hell no. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the last thing I want to be is image conscious. And right. that is kind of an eight way. It's yeah. like, because if I was image conscious, I would be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Yeah. So just, you can chew on that too. I'm going to chew on it. <laughs> it's I do. Thing. I hear you. Avoiding I really do. Vulnerability. Yeah. 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 It's also avoiding vulnerable. Like that, those, it's like this, when we're not able to reside in our hearts, vulnerability feels terrifying. Right. For all types. Very cool. Like just honor you for being willing to like let me poke at your like tender places and your identity <laughs> and your attachments here in public. <laughs> I just honor <laughs> your courage, your willingness. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I feel, you know, I feel like this is one of those times where it's like 
it's like a good therapy session where there's like, there's a lot to think about. I'm going to like, you know, go on my way and be like, okay, there's just going to let this all settle and marinate and see, see what comes out of it. So I appreciate you poking and your curiosity and your interest and your eagerness and excitement to have this conversation. It's awesome. And I really, you know, encourage anyone who feels called or interested to explore it and also to, you know, reach out to you and connect with you. Um, so on that note, Jenny Campbell, can you tell us how to do that again? Yes. Um, best way is probably go to my website, which I'm going to rehab soon. I'm sort of like, I don't want anyone to go there right now. <laughs> it's, it's a little dated and I'm going to be redoing it, but for now it's still up. It's, um, I feel like that's kind of four of you. Is it not? Constantly. Yeah. It doesn't reflect who I am now. <laughs> so I have to, I have to tear the whole thing down and start over. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My life is an art project. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm my own artistic creation. Uh, yeah, but it's any awake. Just that whole waking up thing, any awake, E-N-N-E-A-W-A-K-E. I would also, I do want to give a plug for my son, Ben Campbell, who does Wild Enneagram. And he's he's actually got a course starting March 15th. I don't know when it's coming out, but it's bringing the Enneagram into cool. nature, practices in nature, because you can actually experience the essential qualities when you're outside with mm. the natural world. Really amazing. Love that. Uh, yeah. So cool. really cool stuff. And he, so he's also available. Um, but yeah, right now I don't have any programs right now, but um, I, I'm doing private sessions. If people wanted to, I'm not going to tell you what your type is, but then I'm going to tell you what yeah. <laughs> but I'm willing to be wrong. <laughs> you want to have one of those sessions with me? Um, I'm up for it. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you welcome. for being here and teaching us so much. Yeah, and sharing your pleasure. gifts with us. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Until I'd next love, time, Jenny Campbell. <laughs> yes, I would love to come back maybe yeah. after you do the deep dive with seven yeah. and eight. And yeah. See what you discover and then come back because this is just this is just like an initial yeah. This is like and, the intake. Yeah, this exactly. Is, this is the consultation. Right. All right. I have work to do. <laughs> I will do it. And we'll come, we'll be back. I love the idea. Awesome. Well, thank you. Oh, this was so fun. So welcome. <laughs> Yay. <laughs>